0: G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for the latest edition of the Cricket Library podcast and today we've got a very special treat indeed. We'll not only be joined by Katie Mack.
1: Well, Katie Mack decides to go big on this occasion. She says, well, Jess Cameron, if you can do it at that end, I might join in the fun. Mack goes big. It's a short delivery. She pushes back and once again, she is on her merry way, Katie Mack.
0: We'll also be joined by Erica Kershaw.
2: She hits it back with a square. It's going to go all Good the way, way for four. Good shot from Kershaw. It is a wicket for Kershaw.
0: They are both part of the ACT Meteors WNCL squad. They go their separate ways for the WBBL. Today, we get to hear their story on the Cricket Library podcast. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast to Erica Kershaw and Katie Mack. And we'll start with you, Erica. Can you give us a bit of background and let us know where your passion for the game began?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a regional town outside Melbourne called Terrellman, about two hours east of Melbourne. And for me, cricket started at school. So in primary school, we used to have a set of cricket nets next to... The school and every lunchtime the boys and I'd go and get the bats and the balls and head over and we'd play for as long as we possibly could which is basically every day it wasn't raining and we'd just play all year so we got to the end of grade six and some of the boys had brothers who were joining the local cricket team and they said well we're going to join and naturally uh, I said me too and um, that's when I started playing juniors uh, with the boys We're playing under 14 in the local competition and from there it just grew and grew I think the local cricket manager me, uh, invited me along for a training session. Um, I started there playing for Gippsland and before you know it, you, you get stuck into cricket and you never stop.
0: And what were your um, skill sets? What was your preference? Were you batting? Were you bowling? Uh, when, when did you start wicket keeping? Was that something that's hap, hap been a part of your game for a long time?
1: I like to think of myself as a medium fast bowler when I started. And I went along to first regional training session and the coach said, has anyone ever wicket-kept before? And nobody answers. So I said yes. So I lied. <laughs> the cricket started on fire for me. <laughs> uh. And from then on, um, I, I never stopped. Once you've done it once, you go to the next team and they say, has anyone done wicket keeping before? And if you say yes, then you're usually the first person with the gloves. And, and that's how it went. So when I started playing for Victoria, I wasn't, a wiki keeper in the underage comp. I was there as a batter, and uh, the keeper before me decided it was too tough of a job, so I took over. And since then, I've I've just been behind the stump the whole time.
0: And Katie, what about for you? Your time growing up and your love of the game, where where did it start for Katie Mack?
2: Um, I think my story is pretty similar to a lot of girls. Is my brother played and my dad. Um, And I'd have to go watch him every weekend. And there were a few sisters that were there, and we all decided that we wanted to play as well. So we actually created a girls' team. Um, We played in the two years underage group in the men's comp and then boys' comp. And um, from there, I kept playing. So joined the boys' team the following year um, and kept going from there. I think my, my first game actually was I played softball and my year six teacher was a mad cricketer and convinced me to go along to the Sydney Southwest cricket trials. And I made the Sydney Southwest area team. And um, I think that was my actually first proper game of cricket was with the Sydney Southwest team. Wow. Um, And club after that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. And were there many girls playing uh, back then? Erica, you said you were playing with the boys, Katie. uh, Do you, do you remember many girls playing back when you were coming through?
2: No, nah, not at all. Um, besides that sort of first team we created with the girls, which most dropped out sort of after the first year, there was only four of us um, in the boys' comp in our area, and we all played in the same team. And I'm the only one of that four that's still playing, actually.
0: Wow. And why do you think that is?
2: Um, I think it's probably with any sport with females there is a trend to sort of get to a certain age and, and move on to other things. Um I think especially with cricket, uh, it was sort of unheard of um, girls playing, so we all played with the men's. There was no real path with females, so I think that probably turned a few girls off.
0: Yeah. yeah, And what about for you, Erica, you talked about playing with the boys there and then doing some wicket keeping. When did you start to get into playing uh, girls only cricket and in that sort of representative kind of level cricket for you?
1: Yeah, so I played boys cricket all the way through under-14s and under-16s and a little bit of B-grade cricket in local competition. And um, I very early on got involved in regional cricket in Victoria, so I was playing uh, in the state championships, I played for Gippsland and I think I would have been about middle high school, I started playing for Langatha, which is actually about a 90-minute drive from where I live, but uh, the regional manager was also the coach, so he was out there poaching um, a couple of players. So I started playing for Lee Gaffer then, and I played that competition for as long as I could, but it actually got to the stage when um, I started moving through the Victorian ranks, and I was moving into under-15s, under-17s, and um, Cricket Victoria came down and said that if I wanted to continue to get selected for Victoria, that I have to start playing Premier Cricket in Melbourne. So that's when I started playing senior women's cricket, which from memory was about the end of year 11. I started playing women only was probably my first time.
0: Yeah. what about for you, Katie? Were you a similar kind of journey?
1: Um, yeah, I played the
2: boys club and actually boys rep for Bankstown um, growing up. Um, and it got about to, I think, Green Shield level, which is, I think, under 16. Yeah, 16th,
0: Yeah. yep.
2: Uh, um, and I was sort of told that I couldn't play with the boys anymore. Um and moved on to the girls' grade to play for Bankstown Women's grade, and then I actually went back to men's. So I went and played with Cricket and Uni in New South Wales for my last couple of years in Sydney in the men's grade, um, and then currently still play men's here in Canberra for Tuggeranong Boys.
0: And have you always been a sort of a top order batter? Has that kind of been your strength?
2: Uh, no, I was a leg growing up so I got my first contract with New South Wales women as a leg spinner um had a bit of trouble got the yips and um sort of more of a mental side I struggled with leg spin and it sort of got to a point where I'm like well I'm gonna have to get better at batting if I want to keep playing at this level so started to work on that and then here I am.
0: So h- how long uh, has it been that you've more been a batter than a all-rounder so to speak?
2: think I came to ACT as a batter, so it would have been at least it was at least six years now. I like to still think that I um am a bowler as well, but yeah <laughs> yeah bowl in a game in the last six years.
0: Yeah, I was having a look at some of your stats. I saw you took a five for eighteen uh, on a New Zealand tour and and that was a pretty star studded side. Uh, I think Sarah Ailey would have been there, uh, Nick Carey and a few others uh so you obviously were, were spinning them out all right back then
1: yeah
2: look not to pump up my own tires but um i just sort of had a little knack for it when i was younger dad used to put a cone down and sort of go land it there and i just land it. i had no idea how i was doing it um and yeah i used to get some good grip too um and that's what i've been trying to get back to ever since so yeah i mean i rated myself as a leg spinner back then but um it wasn't to be.
0: Yeah, and what about you, Erica? You you mentioned coming into the Victorian ranks there. At, at what point did you decide Canberra would be a good option for you and your cricket?
1: So Canberra came as an option for me when the previous keeper retired. So I had forever been the second keeper in Victoria and to my detriment, but to her luck, Em Ingles basically never had injury in 10 years, so she, she never missed a game. So I was in, in the wings, um, doing a lot of training and a lot of working, but the position just wasn't there for me as a wicketkeeper. It's a, it's hard when there's only one, and occasionally a team will have a second one. But uh, when the opportunity came up in Canberra, they said, oh, we don't have a keeper and we're looking for one. Then I jumped at it, and I kind of got plucked out of nowhere in a sense. I've been playing a lot of club cricket. I've been in a lot of training for the state system, but um, I was fairly unknown, so... Um, I was very lucky that I got the opportunity to come up, and there was there was no way
0: we was gonna let that one go. Yeah, and making the most of that opportunity uh, down in in Canberra. Uh, wh- what about for you, Katie? You you were in the sort of the breakers pathway there. The 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 breakers did have a bit of a dynasty there. Was it more about for you this, a similar kind of thing, trying to trying to get it to a place where you, you're a mainstay in the st- in in the side and a a key player?
2: That definitely was a bit hard at being at New South Wales. Obviously, they were very, very good. I think they had seven Australian players when I was contracted there. Uh, so it was a hard team to crack into, and they hadn't lost a game in what, eight years or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Uh, so the move for me was about opportunity. It wasn't really about being a mainstay in a team, but I just wanted the opportunity to get a game, and that's what ACT offered. So I grabbed it and ran.
0: And we we're speaking just before we're recording here about the cold in Canberra. How are you, go- girls, uh, coping with Canberra in winter and uh, pre-season training, off-season training?
2: It's gotten better throughout the years. We used to run at six a.m. and um, there's a good story of us having to do a two-k time trial in minus seven degrees. Wow! Um, I think everyone got worse. <laughs> <You> <laughs> don't just. Um, I'm getting used to it and I love it here in Canberra. So it's just something that I deal with and more positives than negatives for me.
0: How about you, Erica?
1: Yeah, I think same for me. You do get used to it. You get used to rugging up and you have those times where you go for a run with your full kit on. You've got, you know, your long skin, your pants, two pairs of socks. You've got your long sleeve shirt, your singlet, your hoodie, your vest, a beanie, a neck warm up and gloves. Like you just learn to to rug up from the start and... If you're really lucky by the end of it, you get to strip off a few layers. But um, you have that little space that has just your eyes and your nose hanging out and they're kind of giving away to the wind. But everything else, you cover up the best you can.
0: And WBBL, both of you have had the chance to play in the WBBL. We've had five seasons of it now and and the women's game has captured the imagination of the public, the Australian women's cricket team at the moment, Uh, the team that people are most connecting with of the Australian teams that we have uh what's the experience been like for you and what have you seen change in WBBL in 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 the time that you've been involved
1: uh, I think for me I was actually playing WBBL before I was playing WNCR so I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to play for the Renegade uh, before I had a state contract so it was um it was really different for me because I went from being a club cricketer and I had some good results happening and I was working really hard to having the opportunity to run out on the MCG and play against the stars when when it was one of my first games. And it's just, yeah, it's a really big change and I, I think it's super exciting and it's still something for big bash now five years later that all the players still get excited about. You still get excited about heading out on big grounds and traveling the country. But the difference now is we used to run out in front of 1,500 people at the MCG and now they're playing in front of thousands, thousands and thousands. And now we've got hundreds of thousands watching on TV. So you can see the the interaction with the crowd and the way people are engaged with cricket has just absolutely changed exponentially. I think it's a really exciting thing. And as a player, I, I thought many a time when I've been standing on the boundary that there's people who have come to support us and – they know my name, they know what I do, and they're just the love that you can feel from the fans is something that you don't get to experience very often, and that's something that's really exciting. So having that connection with the fans now that people get to know who the players are and what what your strengths are and sometimes what your weaknesses are, and you get to get a few sledges from the sidelines as well. But you can see, yeah, from the numbers and the interaction with the crowd, I think that just speaks volumes for how popular female cricket is becoming and how it's changed from that first year.
2: Yeah, I think as well, like, uh, having the extra crowd, it almost puts this, uh, outside pressure on us that we haven't ever had to experience. Yeah. And it's a good pressure. Um, more people are watching, more people see you go well, more people see you go badly. Yeah. Um, and I reckon that's a thing we've had to navigate. I mean, with WNCO essentially you have your support crew there and not too many other people are too interested in watching. So, um, I think that's been a big thing to addu- adjust to over the last couple
0: of years too. And that kind of leads into my next question around interests outside of cricket. You, you're on your lunch break now and uh, you're taking time out of your day for something like this and you'd have training commitments and it's, it's a, a changing landscape where you're going from semi-professional to getting some exposure and hopefully to full-time professional um, at some point. Uh, How how do you go managing it all?
1: On my side of things, I'm one of those players who still works full-time at the moment, so it's really important for me to be organised and communicate really well with everybody and planning ahead and being able to say to the coaches, you know, I've got this thing happening for work, so I'm going to miss a session, or vice versa with work. They're really, really supportive of me and my cricket and they're as excited as anyone about um, getting out to have a game for WNCL or getting out in WBBL and coming along and watching. So I'm, I'm very lucky that both sides support me really well and are really enthusiastic about letting me do my thing and being flexible. So I think communication is, yeah, is a really important thing and being able to plan ahead at least sort of a month at a time and understanding at the moment things change really, really quickly. But yeah, just the, the support that they give me um, is really, really good. So it means that there's not a lot of free time you, during the season. I don't often get to sit down and relax and, and watch TV. I'm either bouncing from work to cricket and then back to study. So you, the things that aren't important drop off pretty quick. And unfortunately sometimes that's sleep and, and having a chance to relax. So uh, hopefully we get to move into being fully professional pretty soon and, and really getting to dedicate ourselves to it because we're playing cricket because we love it and we all want to spend more time in that space as well. So I think it's really exciting the way that women's cricket is growing, and hopefully in the, in the future, if people choose that not to work, that that's an option for them as well.
0: How about you, Katie? You're a physio, and uh, you, you'd have your own training loads and uh, work commitments. Uh, what do you, What do you find helps you with with juggling those commitments that you have?
2: To what Erica said, open communication and, and prior prioritizing things. So the uh, things that become important um, really do become important. <laughs> um, but similar also to Erica is, I'm pretty lucky with physio and the fact that we deal with a lot of sports. Is my workplace understands um, my commitment and they're very flexible with that. Um, so I think I think a big part of it is finding a job or a career that helps you with that I think I'd very much struggle if I found or was working somewhere that wasn't so accepting of my cricket commitment um and in saying that it is it's an awkward it's an awkward area that women's cricket is at the moment we're not completely professional so you can't just focus on cricket but it also stops us from I guess putting 100% into our careers outside of cricket so for me I'm just at the moment try and work as much as I can get as much experience and then physios Something I'm looking forward to uh, exploring
0: a bit more when I finish cricket. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully that time does come when it when when you can kind of do your cricket full time and then go back to those skill sets uh, when when cricket's not being played anymore. Uh, when when you move into that retirement phase, what what are some other interests outside of outside of playing, Erica? I, I've had a quick look at your Instagram and a few of the clues I saw there, you may uh, be into your cars.
1: I am, yes. I'm a big car person. Um, Personally, I'm a Volkswagen person. I've got my Golf, which I love and spend time fixing up and working on. And my partner and I also, uh, we have a stash of Nissan Skylines at home. So our front yard is at the moment uh, full of Skylines. So we, on the weekends, we pull and, and sell the parts and he's got a race car that, that we're doing up as well. Coincidentally, we just bought a house that happens to be around the corner from a drag strip. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that one sort of snuck in there as well. So, yeah, we're both uh, big car people and, and I like spending my weekends doing that. Either that or out on a mountain bike is another one, which I really enjoy as well, getting some exercise. So given that I'm from the country in the mountains, I love heading out, um, whether it's walking, hiking, mountain biking, any of that sort of stuff, um, that's something that I really enjoy.
0: And do you find that helps keep you a bit grounded, having something outside of work and cricket that you can just do, uh, get out there, work on the cars, take your mind away from things and just enjoy the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's something for me that I can really use for de-stress, particularly getting out on the bike or out in nature. I think it's it's just a really great way to relax and you get that sort of almost a bit of a meditative time where you, you think through everything and you get this chance to clear your mind. I think that's really, really important when you've got such a busy life with work and cricket, having that chance to do something completely different, I think is, is really good. The cars are good. I think pulling them apart is a lot less stressful than trying to put them back together. <laughs>
0: something
1: goes wrong. But uh, stripping cars is a lot of fun because if you break stuff, it doesn't really matter too much. And you can't get a bolt undone. You just grind it off. Whereas, Putting them back together, in particular with a the Volkswagen, they're quite expensive if you get things wrong. They're a little bit more stressful, but, yeah, having the chance to get out in the driveway and really dig into it, I think, for me, is something that I, I do enjoy and I find that relaxing.
0: Yeah, excellent. What about you, Katie?
1: Um, yeah, outside of cricket,
2: I think uh, fitness is a pretty big part of my life, so I quite enjoy staying fit and healthy um so I just bought a road bike mainly because I don't have a car at the moment so I needed a way to get around but um I quite enjoy that and I think after cricket I probably would get into more of a sort of triathlon type training um and then I think of myself as a bit of a crafty person so uh I've been doing a fair bit of painting and drawing and a bit of sewing and um just sort of I guess DIYing a few things yeah um similar to Erica I've go out camping and I enjoy the outdoors. So getting to the coast as much as we can and, um, putting the swag up and doing a bit of forward driving with my partner.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. The great outdoors, nothing like the great outdoors. I'm a bit of a country man myself and, uh, it's nice just having paddocks around and space and, uh, just helps you slow down the, the tempo a little bit in life. Uh, hopes for the future. What this season, what are you, what are you hoping for this season? Um, Big bash again, yeah. But are you allowed to reveal whether Big Bash is locked in for either of you, or is that something we've got to keep under wraps?
2: I think we're both a bit. Uh, the embargo period isn't open yet, so we're both um, in discussions.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. But you're both hoping to obviously line up in WBBL uh, in the coming summer, somewhere.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And are we going to see your leg spin again, Erica?
1: Yeah. Oh, Erica. <laughs> I I hope so. Yeah. I've taken many wickets in the nets, and I think a lot of people were taken by surprise when I got a, an over at, at the end of the season last year. But it's as much as we all get teased as wicket keepers for bowling in the nets, and you, know, you can't do that. You're a wicket keeper. Um, I never put down having the opportunity to bowl of putting the ball down and not trying anymore. So. I like to um to keep it up my sleeve and um show everyone what the turning ball is all about at training. that's for sure, so hopefully I get a chance if I'm not behind the stump, hopefully I'll get a chance to have another ball
0: and being a wicket keeper, I'd imagine you'd have some good chat when you're when you're bowling in the nets.
1: I feel much more comfortable fledging people when I'm bowling. I think <laughs> the you're standing very close to the batter, so I find it actually quite intimidating, even though I'm you know quite a tall person and. There's not many people that stand above me. I think being 30 centimetres away from someone, confrontation isn't my favourite thing. So I actually don't usually um, have too much chat happening. Although I've been forced into it um, a few times over the past years, <laughs> so I'm much more likely to get into the contest as a bowler.
0: Yeah. Now, now speaking about nets, our listeners uh, love to know. Now we, we get some very varied answers on this question. This is our our kind of our showpiece question. If you could invite anyone to the Nets, and particularly since we've had a bit of lockdown and we're not really getting out as much as we used to, um, who, who are you inviting to the Nets if you can have anyone for a hit in the Nets with you? We might start with you, Erica. Have you got got some uh, candidates you'd like to line up? Uh, my first choice, I definitely have Adam Gilchrist in there. He yep. was, was kind of my idol growing
1: up, someone I watched play a lot of cricket um, as a wiki keeper and then also someone who, you know, opens the batting or comes in and has a bit of firework in the middle order as well with a bat. So he's definitely someone that I'd uh, like to have a chance to have a hit with. Uh, there was also a guy that used to play for WA. I think his first name was Ryan Campbell. Oh,
0: and, Ryan Campbell. Yeah, gun.
1: Yeah, Campbell. So he was he was one of the guys to first play the the old scoop over the keeper. So he was a very – Kind of out there player someone a little bit left field and had some free funky ideas so I think having a net with him uh, would be a lot of fun as well and then the other person who I I always loved watch that was um, actually Brad Hodge and I know that he didn't get the opportunity to play for Australia like he potentially could have but um, I used to watch a lot of uh, men's state domestic cricket growing up and Watching him hit over the top, over cover, and down the ground was one of my favourite things to watch. So having the opportunity to learn from him uh, would be awesome.
0: That is Bradley Hodges' first mention, and same for Ryan Campbell, I think actually as well. But great, some great, great names there for your net. Uh, I'd love to be there for for that. Now, Katie, have you have you had a chance to process this question? i I'm going to reveal exclusively to our listeners that I. One of the highlights of my life was getting to have a net with Katie and Maitland Brown back in uh, a few years back now. It's a, uh, a pretty big claim to fame having bowled to a couple of WBBL stars. Uh, so uh, feel free to add me to the list if you'd like to whack me around again. but um, if you if, if you've got three names for us.
2: I don't know. If that's your claim to fame, I feel a bit sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had a little time to think about this, And I definitely wanted to add a leg spinner. I know a few people have come on and said Warnie. Um, but I was going to go a little bit more left field. So it was between two. So coming up through New South Wales, I actually really admired um, Bo Casson. Um, yeah. To have a little bowl with him at New South Wales, and I loved it. Um He's a really nice guy on top of that. But I've gone Stuart McGill. Um, I think I kind of like his little bit of it, you know, was an amazing bowler, never really got the chance he probably deserved. Um, And I got to do a session with him actually uh, years ago. And um, just he's he's a pretty intense guy and the way he talked about, you know, his visualization and what he'd go through with his bowling was pretty cool. So I'd love another session with him. Yeah. Yeah. my second was Glen McGrath, and it's just because it takes me back to going to watch the cricket with my dad. Um, and Glen McGrath was always such a nice guy. He always bit fine legs too, um, so he always gives the wave. And I just have good memories of watching him play with my dad. So he's my second. And my last one would actually be Belinda Clark. So I think uh, up sort of a bit upsetting, but we never really have much footage of the girls at paved the way for us um, playing and you hear great stories of, uh, you know, your Karen Roltons and your Belinda Clarks and how good they were. So I'd love to get Belinda Clark in for a session.
0: Oh, magnificent choices. Yeah, some great choices there. And uh, what you say there, it is really one of the refreshing things about the WBBL and the World T20 Cup that we just recently had in Australia. We've got these marker points now for the youngsters that are playing in their local girls' cricket leagues to say one day I'd like to be on that big stage like like our Elise Perrys and our uh, Meg Lannings and those kind of people. Um, we've got all the footage now and, and there's the archives there but... Not not so as much for the Roltons and the Clarks and the FitzPatricks of the world that that did pave the way for the 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 standard of cricket and the the quality of competitions that you get to play now. Well, thanks so much for your patience and your time today, ladies. Uh, technical difficulties at the start. Um, I really appreciated you spending some time with us and wish you both all the best uh, for life in general and the cricket season ahead down in Canberra. Uh, it's been a pleasure having the afternoon with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for the chat. Thanks very much.
0: A massive thanks to Erica Kershaw and Katie Mack for joining us on this special edition of the Cricket Library podcast. Wonderful to hear from them about how they're managing playing elite-level cricket, holding down jobs, coping with the cold in the nation's capital. I think I told them off-air that it was 9 degrees where I was this morning and that's not really that cold at all compared to doing a 2K time trial at minus 7 degrees. I don't think I'd handle that very well at all. And, of course having the chance to play on the big stage, having the fans, having the interaction, having people know who they are thanks to the rise in prominence of the WBBL and, of course, playing their cricket in Canberra and the move that they had to make to make that possible, moving away from their family and friends to take up that opportunity to play with the ACT Meteors. A great couple of stories there. And we really appreciate you, our listeners, for tuning in and hearing them and sharing in the narrative that inspires a love of cricket. And that's what we're all about here at the Cricket Library Podcast. We want to inspire people to love the game through stories of people having been inspired by a love of cricket themselves and uh, two ladies that are certainly out there making the most of their opportunity, that's for sure. Well, plenty of great episodes in the mix in the past. If you, if you want to hear some other chats we've had, Kristen Beams and Leah Poulton have been on the show lately. We've also heard from Ryan Harris, Tim Ludeman, Nathan Horitz, uh, among others. So please go and check out the back catalogue if any of those are of interest to you. Please hit the subscribe button if you like what you heard today. And I'll look forward to bringing you the next edition of the Cricket Library podcast from Matt Ellis. It is bye for now.